It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. You have the Ticats and the Argos playing four times, but the Riders and the Bombers play just twice. So if we're talking about this idea of a schedule, and like you said, it's going to have its quirks, but one where you want to limit potentially air travel and cut down on travel expenses, why are the Riders and the Bombers not playing four times? Like To me, from an economic standpoint, that's certainly going to benefit you. And yes, it's old school, but you could argue that the Riders or the Bombers, whoever's going to the other province, can just hop in a bus and go. You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Heath Graham, Pat Mooney, and Don Charbon will be your guide on this flight as we look at the CFL's Eastern Division as we get ready for training camp 2021. Things are heating up, not just the heat wave going across Canada, but players getting ready to report to camp and the the season, the excitement is starting to build. As a fan, I just love the fact that you can actually go on and find information about teams now and get into it. It's just, it's exciting time to be in, ready for the CFL season. One of the best things that I had with my chat with Justin Dunk on the last podcast was his comment, and we didn't even mention the C word. And of course, people were like, what's the C word? COVID. He was so happy that that didn't come up in the conversation, and I didn't even think about it until he mentioned it. Yeah, it's amazing what having some positive news about an upcoming season can do to change topic and and get us to shift gears and look at what's going to happen instead of what has been dogging us here over the last year. (laughs) I I think we're all tired of the C word. We are indeed. It's, It's sort of one of those situations where you're running the marathon. You can see over your shoulder that the competition's still there. But you also know that that finish line is ahead of you. And if you just keep up the effort, that you're going to make it. I think things like the the CFL season going ahead also help to solidify that, right? You can see that, hey, sooner or later, people are going to be gathering back together in groups. And, uh, you know, in Saskatchewan, we know that's July 11th. But across Canada, we can all see, even if we don't have the exact date right now, you can see that somewhere in the distance, it will happen. That is the most important thing, I think, is that if you need that positive at the end of the rainbow. I'm done with my two doses. I know, Heath, you just finished yours. Pat, you're done yours. Yep. I hope that that means as everyone gets on board, it just opens up our world. Yeah, absolutely. I know my my parents are both double-dosed and they're looking to visit us in Saskatoon here for the first time in well over a year, uh, making the trip out from Manitoba. So things are starting to to change for the good and starting to see some of those people that you haven't seen and been able to give a hug to in a long time. Just last weekend, my my daughters and son-in-law were home and it was so nice to have them back in our house. I think it's the first time since, I want to say, October, November last year that, that we've had a chance to get together, not just outside meeting at Christmas or Easter. We actually were in the house together, eating together, having some fun, and it made it seem normal. And that's what we want in our lives at some point when we put COVID to rest, that we get that normal so that we can go to games, we can cheer loud, and we can have fun without fear. Speaking of fear, who do you fear in the CFL East when it comes to the team to beat? I had a lot of fun taking a look at this, actually, and making sure I'm going through depth charts and trying to to pick. I, I, if it were... 
a year ago, I think my picks might have been different, but but there's lots of interesting changes in the East. I also believe there's lots of potential growth as long as the, the year setback hasn't put everyone back. I'm excited for the year in the East, and I think for me, I, I've got some surprises under my predictions, but let, let's hear what you guys are thinking. The easy pick would be the defending East champions, Hamilton, but I'm not going down that road. I did not either. I said when we started looking at free agent signings early on, one team that made a big splash in that first little bit was the Montreal Alouettes, and that is my pick in the East. I don't know if I'm going to say they're going to have the best record in the regular season necessarily, but I think they are going to be the East Division champs and representing that conference in the Grey Cup. Wow. I went the same way, Don. That's two for two. So um, I actually, initially I had Hamilton placed and as I started to dig through and actually do a bit of research, I thought, I I think Montreal just has a much bigger upside at this point based on who they have and and also the growth we saw at the end of the last season was played. Now that is two years ago. So, I mean, there's that caveat is maybe things have changed, but I'm I'm excited to see uh, Vernon Adams take another step, stand back, back, back in the CFL after trying the NFL and, uh, when I take a look at the defense, they were solid. They were coming on and they were playing some extremely exciting football. And I think everyone in that team should be poised to take this next step. And I, I have them finishing first as well. How many times did that team come back in the fourth quarter and defeat the Grey Cup champion, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? They beat the Stampeders in Calgary. No lead was safe when you played the Alouettes, it felt like. And Vernon Adams, I do believe, is the key to that whole machine. If he is on and if he is motivated, he is going to carry them a long, long way. I do think he has to take that next step. Like he is a, he's a gunslinger. They're going to throw downfield when you put uh, you know him and, and Kahari Jones together. You know they're going to attack. Last year, I, we had a season, I found that uh, he pushed balls into some tight spots. He got lucky in a lot of those cases that it worked out. But I'd like to see him extend that growth and and be a little more cautious in controlling the football. At the same point, I think he'll become more accurate and and read defenses better and should be able to move the ball just as well. But maybe being a little more cautious about not throwing it up into tight coverages or different areas where I think we saw that last time and he certainly was lucky. So you both put out that Montreal will represent the East in the Grey Cup. Who finishes first, though, if you don't think the Alouettes will? I would probably guess Hamilton still. Like I said, it's probably the safe pick based on their performance in 2019. I know a lot's been tossed around about the improvements in Toronto and the expectation is that the Argos are going to be a lot better as well. But from what Pat mentioned about the 2019 season and Don, what uh, what you mentioned Vernon Adams can do, I think if I had to rate the the standings of the Eastern Conference regular season, I would go... Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, with Montreal knocking off Hamilton in Hamilton for the Eastern Championship. No score prediction yet, though. I'll have to see how how camp goes before I start throwing that out there. I I do see it being just a little different. I actually think Montreal could finish in first place. I think, uh, you know, there's all the talk about the quarterback tandem in Hamilton, and I think they're going to be outstanding. But when we had each player play before, the other player wasn't necessarily wanting to see the field. So I think as soon as one of them has a bad game, whichever one starts, I mean, is it is assuming it's Mazzoli, maybe not, maybe it's Evans, but as soon as they have a bad game, I think you could get some dissension. And I, I do think that, that they've also maybe not done the same 
as you mentioned earlier, Heath, in terms of picking up those key acquisitions through the offseason. So, Don, what are, what are your thoughts? I think Hamilton's defense has taken a bit of a hit. Adrian Tracy is not going to be there anymore. Delvin Bro is not going to be there anymore, and there was a shutdown corner. Larry Dean, another great linebacker. Exactly, and if you take that type of uh, really strong defensive play out of a team, that means you got holes to fill. Now, Hamilton on offense is fine. I don't think they're going to have any trouble whatsoever. But the question in my mind is, if they put up 30, will they need that because the other team's putting up 28? It's a very interesting question. I, I don't think they're going to be the dominant force that they were in the past. But that remains to be seen. Who do they have? Who picked up? How about the draft picks? All these things are somewhat unknown for us because we missed the year. It's possible that they could come in and be just as strong. When Hamilton and Montreal are playing, take the over. Yeah. I think Hamilton and Montreal both are the, are the teams to watch because... They both have an agenda. Hamilton gets to the Grey Cup 15-3 and record and really gets it handed to them by the Blue Bombers that day. They learned a tough lesson. They are motivated and highly motivated to get back there and finish the job. The other team are the Montreal Alouettes. They lose to Edmonton. They got scorched by Trevor Harris in that game. They know now that they have to overcome that. And again... I think failure builds character. And each of those teams went to a step that they hadn't been in a long time and failed. And I really do believe that those lessons are hard won, but are so, so valuable. The other interesting thing about the East, though, is, is Toronto and their pickups. I mean, if we were to take a look at all those players and go back and, and meld them together a few years ago. You're talking about an unstoppable team. They have some amazing pickups. I, I just question whether they're going to be able to make a gel before they get too far into the season. I do think they may come on strong at the end, but I, I think they'll, they'll have a tough go at the beginning making all these individual pieces fit into the team concept. I think they've got a much improved defense, but do they have the offense to compete with the other the big dogs in the East? Good point. The litmus test for the Argonauts is going to be the way they start the season because they got the Bombers twice in the first few weeks of the schedule, and I believe the Stampeders, if I'm not mistaken. Those are two very tough opponents. If Toronto comes through that with a win or maybe even two wins, then I think, watch out, they are going to be a strong contender. But if they go O-and, then I think that's where there could be some issues with camaraderie how do the guys gel are is this the right fit for everybody and these are the types of things that you have to consider they've got a lot of influence from the calgary stampeders on that team especially in their receiving core and their quarterback so these guys have worked together they know what they need to do their defense is getting remade in so many different directions they've got enak moamba they've got cam judge there's a lot of people that are all-star caliber back there but you've got to know how to fit together and, and that's my concern. I, I just don't know that they'll gel. I think in their prime, if, if we had all these guys in their team, but, but we're talking a lot of 30-year-old players, a lot of leaders, and, and who steps into those roles that aren't just leadership that, that need to be filled to make the team move forward. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not they can come together. And Nick Ar- Arbuckle is still a question mark for me as a legitimate starting quarterback. He very well could be. Um, I just don't think there's enough of a sample size yet in my mind to say yes he's an elite quarterback in the league now granted Cody Fajardo 
in 2019 kind of came from that same situation. And we know the, the caliber of quarterback he turned out to be that year. So it might be the year for Arbuckle to kind of prove that same type of thing. But I think the, the offense is going to sputter a little bit. Granted, he does have a couple of Calgary former Calgary receivers to work with. I think defense is going to be the key to them winning some games early on in the season while the offense figures things out. I think having Eric Rogers to throw to is a comforting thing for any quarterback because he's a guy that's going to go after every ball and he's going to create some tough yards for you. I do think that Arbuckle is going to be okay. He went 4-3 and three as a starter with the Stampeders when Mitchell was gone. And he's also got his coach from Calgary with him. And I think that's huge because Dinwiddie believes in Arbuckle and that goes a long way to a quarterback's confidence. I do think that he could really light it up if the receivers are on the same page. And this is the big question. Again, so much change, gotta meld it. Now the one team we really haven't mentioned is the Ottawa Red Blacks. And does Coach LaPolice have a team that he can uh, be competitive with? We know he and Matt Nichols have a working relationship based on their years in Winnipeg together, but do they have the rest of the pieces of the puzzle to maybe challenge for a playoff spot, or are they pretty much going to finish fourth as every, as most people are predicting? I think they're going to finish fourth. I, I can't see that they're not going to. I do think that you know some of the players they have are going to continue to grow. I love Evans as a defensive back. I think he's 26 years old. He did fairly well, and, and I, I, they are bringing their whole defensive backfield together. Uh, again, I think they've got at least four of them it, back in the in the fold, and that's going to definitely help them to meld. But I think it's maybe still a little bit too little, too late. And they didn't really impress me in the off seasons in terms of who they picked up. I mean, hope I know they're going with a lot of the same players. They are young, so they may be strong in a few years. This might be the learning year. Thorpe is gone as their defensive coordinator. Benavides is in. He's a different style than Thorpe. Thorpe was go after him all the time. Benavides is much more absorb, and that philosophy may impact what happens on the field. The other thing, too, is La Police did take a team to a Grey Cup before. We know he can, he can win in this league. Nichols' arm is going to be a big question, whether or not he's going to be really fit to go and throw as many balls as are required to get this team to succeed. The offense, I think, is going to have to catch up to the defense in many ways because the defense is more solid. The offense is much more in flux. Uh, the question is, who, who, are, who would even be throwing to? I mean, there, there are some names, we recognize them, but, but they're, they're not the big names yet. Um, so I think that that's going to leave them a little bit wanton in terms of finding those big targets. Maybe someone will develop to be that, that go-to receiver, but I, I haven't seen it yet. Interesting. I know that they're taking almost like a badge of courage that everyone's picking them fourth and that they're going <laughs> to show everybody wrong. It's a different way how you look at the start of the season than you do in the West. The East is on the road. They're playing in Western ballparks. So much can change if you get a win. Of course, it's going to be tough because you're starting on the road, but there's the challenge in front of them. The team in the East that gets off the, the mark fastest is probably going to really get a jump on everybody else when they make it back east to play home dates. You know, you raise a good point with the underdog status too. Sometimes that bulletin board material can go a long way to motivate a team. And you've got guys that are 
going to be out to prove something in Ottawa if the majority of the pundits are picking them to finish dead last, uh, probably in the league, I would imagine, then they really can play with nothing to lose. If they do finish last, it's kind of what everybody predicted. But if they go in and start winning a couple of those games early on in the season, and even if they can get to, you know, two and two or, or three and three to kind of start things out, it's going to open a lot of eyes and, and that momentum can drive them a long way. How bad was Ottawa in 2019? Were they that team that only won a pair of games? Or were they a team that was better but just seemed to be misfiring in places? We're, we're going back two years ago now. My memory's getting short. But um, I, I, think, <laughs> I think in general they were a not, not a very good team, to be honest. I, I think they had a lot of holes. I don't think it was just a, uh, a near miss here and there that could have turned them into a competitor. I think they had a lot of issues that they needed to address and needed to overcome. Um, I'm happy for Lapalise that he's going to get another head coaching opportunity. Unfortunately for him, he's coming into a team that was the worst team in the league. So that doesn't always get you the best opportunity to, to turn things around. But like I said, they're, they're kind of starting from the bottom and, and nowhere to go but up. Or does it give him a good opportunity? Because he's, I mean, uh, you've said it before. If, if they finish last, they're expected to finish last. The coach just has to start moving the ship in the right direction. So I'm assuming he's going to get at least a few years to take a look and develop the players. And, and maybe that's a great situation to be in. As Ottawa can start moving ahead and peaking in, in a couple of years as some of these other teams. Look at Toronto. We talked about how uh, much of a veteran-laden squad they are. Some of those guys are going to be going and Ottawa will be ahead of them in a few years. I hope that's the case. I mean, we've we've seen organizations have coaches on a very short leash in the past. A prime example of giving a guy a few years is actually the defending Great Cup champions. Mike O'Shea came into Winnipeg in a bit of a rebuild, had a revolving door of coaches over the last probably five or six years before he came along. And there was fans in Winnipeg screaming for his head after year one and year two. They stuck with him. He's a player's coach. The players all bought into what he was doing and they built themselves a winner. I think La Police is a very well-liked guy. He's been around the league a long time in different capacities as a head coach, as a coordinator. And hopefully Ottawa as a city and as an organization is going to give him that chance to prove what he can do. I think as a coach, he's also had those opportunities. When you take a look at his work with the riders, that's when they were just making a move and and changing their organization. He's had the opportunity to go through it with Mike O'Shea. So I think if he can pick up those lessons and and build a team in in the models that have been done in previous places where he's been, he should have some success. Curious person in all of this is Ryan Dinwiddie because he's the one rookie head coach that they do have out East. His pedigree so far has been win. Wherever he goes, that team wins. The question is always, is it because of or is he along for the ride? If it's because of him, then Toronto has got a great situation developing with that type of coach in charge. So, so Don, I'm going to go back to our original question then of, of placements. I, I know who Heath picked. I know who I picked. And we're only varying on the first two. What, what are your picks in the East then? I think that the team that wins the most games gets first and the team that wins the fewest games gets last. <laughs> We're getting Dave Ritchie over here. <laughs> what happened What happened to your team? Oh, they scored more points than we did. I think Hamilton will finish first. I think Montreal second, Toronto third, Ottawa fourth. The gaps between them will be a win here or there that might separate first and third. 
CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. So let's shift gears from the team perspective to look at some individual players. Um, our homework for the week was to kind of pick a player from each category of offensive player, outstanding player of the year, outstanding defensive player, and a breakout or comeback player. Who have you guys got? Um, let's start with offensive outstanding player for the East. If I go first, I will take Vernon Adams Jr. I believe he will be the MOP coming out of the East. His upside is absolutely fantastic, and I love the way he approaches the game, and I love to watch him play the game. With that offense, I do believe that he'll put up the numbers that will get him MOP out of the East. Going second, it just seems like I'm going to just echo again, but but actually I had written down Vernon Adams, and... Uh, you know, I had the Evans Mazzoli. Uh, I mean, I think there's potential for one of those quarterbacks if they can play the whole year to do very well. But but honestly, I think Adams has the upside and I think he's poised to take that next step. And that's also why I chose Montreal to finish first. Well, we have maybe our first unanimous decision here on third down gamble uh, because I also selected Vernon Adams as the MOP offensively for the for the East. Um, just kind of looking at his numbers from 2019, he did have 16 games played. 3,942 yards, 24 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. And like uh, Pat mentioned earlier, he does kind of, he was forcing the ball into some tight spots there. If he's got another year older and wiser and makes some better decisions, he is the force to be reckoned with in the East. And I think he's the most outstanding player as well. Outstanding defensive player, Pat. My turn to go first and we'll see if anyone else picks it. I, I, I am always a fan of linebackers. And I mean, the East has a lot of strong linebackers. So some of the names I was throwing out, of course, were Hinoch Mwamba. I think in, in uh, Toronto, he's going to have an opportunity to be in, in the middle and playing with a strong defense, which made me also think, okay, is he going to get as many tackles? Because when you look at all the all-stars they potentially have, he may not shine in quite the same way. So I think I'm going to go back to the old standby of Simone Lawrence. He is my pick. Simone Lawrence is the last man standing. You know, they did lose a number of people there, but he is the key that makes that Hamilton defense tick. And I think Hamilton will still have a very strong team. And I think Simone Lawrence is going to be a key. He's my MOP and defensive player. Heath? Well, I'm glad you went a different direction because I had Enoch Mwamba as my defensive MOP in, in the East. So thanks, Pat, for picking somebody different. Um, I think that <laughs> Toronto is going to have a very different look on defense this year. But a key component of that is going to be Mwamba in that linebacker spot. I think he's going to, to lead that defense to some great things. And for that reason, he's my defensive MOP. Slide little bit to the outside and I'm going to pick Cam Judge. I think that his upside in Saskatchewan was definitely positive. He was getting better and better and better as the season went on and he's also a guy that is a great teams player and he'll put up numbers for you with tackles there as well. So I'll pick Cam Judge. So we're expecting great things out of that Toronto linebacking core for sure. I think so. Okay let's, so let's move on then to the breakout or comeback player of the year. Who do you have Don? I'm leaning towards Sean Thomas Erlington. He had a horrific knee injury in 2019 that I think he's the one guy that's poised to have that comeback season where he's going to put up the numbers. He's going to be featured in that Hamilton offense. He's going to be my comeback player out of the East. 
Heath. Um, well, I did pick one on offense, one on defense, but I'm going to go with my offensive pick here. Um, also from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He had some flashes and some key receptions in 2019. I think Jalen Acklin, uh, receiver for Hamilton, is going to have a big year. Um, just to kind of give you some numbers, he did have 58 receptions, 708 yards, and three TDs in 2019. So solid numbers, but I think he is um, going to be a bigger part of that offense as well. Seems to have a really good set of hands, one of those possession-type receivers, and I think he's going to break the 1,000-yard mark. Touchdown tally is going to grow from three to probably about six or seven. I mentioned him before. Defensive backfield for Ottawa, though. I, I almost want to go with the whole backfield instead of just Evans, but I think he's a key. I see Ottawa's backfield. They're going to get tested a lot, and I really think they did start to gel a little bit towards the end of the last season, and I think this will allow them to take that next step. I think they're going to be, uh, you know, starting off good, but by the end, I think they're going to be quite good, and people may be running more against Ottawa, depending on who they have on the line. So I'm going to pick that unit. Ottawa defensive backs having a great breakout year. Is that cheating? (laughs) Well, okay, I can say Evans too. I was going to toss you one here, Pat, because I had my defensive one was actually Sherrod Baltimore from Ottawa. So um, also in that defensive back core for the Red Blacks. I I think they're young and exciting and and, uh, hopefully they'll be a a team to reckon with in the future. I don't know if this is the year they're going to get tested a lot, but they'll learn a lot. If Ottawa wins five games this year is that a good season in my mind yes especially in a shortened season so that would make them yeah that would put them at five and nine i think that's a successful start for a rebuild in ottawa for sure and how many wins is it going to take to get out of the east get first in the east i should say i'd say 10 yeah i would also say 10 10 wins is going to win the east i think it's totally fair if we use the term last season referring to 2019, because once this season gets underway. That's good because it won't be so confusing because I keep keep missing, uh, you know, like last year. No, no, last season. I like that wording. It's fun to to look forward. I'm really looking forward to training camps coming up on the 10th of July. It's just so different than 2020 at this time when we were wondering, will there be a bubble in Winnipeg? How is that going to play out? Is there going to be federal help? (laughs) It's just such a different dynamic right now. I can't tell you what a joy it is to actually talk football again. It's awesome. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.